This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Sometimes you just never see certain things coming. Nobody saw Arkansas getting blown out by Auburn the way that that happened. And I don't think we all saw New Mexico State going into the Plains and beating Auburn. Whether you thought that the Aggies would have covered or not is a different situation. Picking New Mexico State to win on the road after Auburn played such an inspired game uh, would have felt like a fool's errand. And then Auburn goes out and they're the fool. (laughs) Looking ahead to the Iron Bowl, just re-celebrating. It's kind of what I felt might have happened a little too much during the during Auburn week for Arkansas. Not celebrating the Florida win, but just kind of relaxing a little bit. Yeah, we got it done. We got a conference win. We finally got a win in Florida. It's the only way that I can just uh, explain that Auburn game, and maybe that's what happened to Auburn this last week. It is weird because Liberty beat Arkansas last year uh, with Hugh Freeze, and uh, New Mexico State beat Liberty last year with Hugh Freeze. So something there where that, that coach there has Hugh Freeze's number, it looks like. I guess he does, yeah. And and Hugh Freeze seems to have Sam Pittman. That's number, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> two yeah. years in it's a row, weird. two different two different teams that come in same weekend as well. That's the it's, it's just sort of like all right, it's just time to come in here. I guess we're going to go on the planes next year. Um, yeah, and it's not just a loss, too, Matt. I mean, you had, a, you had an Auburn team that rolled up, what was it, 517 yards he said against he could, the Arkansas he, defense, he, and they only totaled 213. He said he took his foot off the gas. He said he could have done more. Did he forget where the gas pedal was? Did the, was the gas pedal just sort of, uh, you know, removed from the car all of a sudden? Did he think it was one of those cars that has uh, handlebars that kind of, you know, like a motorcycle? That's how you accelerate? I mean, did he had he been given a lesson how to drive this car before? He, he must have missed his checkpoint for the electric charge. <laughs> It's just, it's just one of those things that doesn't make sense, um, and and I guess that happens that happens in football on a on a on a normal basis, um, you know. And I guess this isn't a matter of makes sense, but there's so many comparisons drawn between Arkansas and unfortunately, you know, Kentucky uh, in in football in. I think maybe the idea, the difficulty it is to win at a high level consistently um, based upon, I think so much of it is based upon the opponents that are in your division. And now without divisions, it feels like it's even, you know, that much more difficult to make it to Atlanta and, you know, find a way to play for the conference championship. I wonder what this offseason will be like for Stoops. You know, I mean, is he... I don't know what the I don't forget I don't remember what the contract situation is for for Stoops, but you know they're about to they're about to finish six and six again, two years after big, a ten win season. Big win for uh, South Carolina. They got it. They kept their bowl hopes alive. They got Clemson next, but yeah, I, I, Kentucky was supposed to what win nine games this year. That's what I thought. I mean, they bring in a you know big time quarterback and and uh, Devin Leary. It's another story of quarterbacks that went out of the ACC um, and regressed at least a little bit as uh, as they've moved on. Sam Hartman at Notre Dame and now uh, Devin Leary from North Carolina State to Kentucky also has regressed. And you know the Kentucky program. I guess it's not a football school anymore. They lost five of the last six games with just a victory over Mississippi State during that stretch. So they're going to have to figure out a, a way to pull off a major upset against Louisville 
uh, to uh, to get a seventh win. But that's another coach that I would think would be on a hot seat. Did you next see year. Uh, did the you... hot seat starts when your when your athletic director says yes? I'm, we're going to keep you for another year. That that's that to me is when the hot seat kind of starts. Did you see that? The, is that Florida State quarterback out for the year? If uh, oh yeah, I, so so you're looking at your final four, and you know you get you're going to get this Oregon Washington matchup, and this Ohio State Michigan matchup, and this Alabama Georgia matchup. These are games you're going to get. Uh, if Florida State's undefeated, but they lose their quarterback, are you, are you putting them in the Final Four? Um, probably. <laughs> well, <clears throat> you're going to only have four undefeated teams now that really are a part of this, right? So Florida State, they got to beat Florida. Then they got to win the ACC championship game. They do that, I think they're in. Even without Jordan Travis. Because it can't be about... It can't be about, well, they've got a backup, so they're not going to be able to compete with these guys. It's got to be what you've done. It's got to be the body of work this year. And I think if they do, if they win these next two, which will be against good teams. Well, I mean, Florida's not really good. Florida's okay. They're okay. Yeah. They're okay. They're a power five. And if they, and if they beat Louisville, the, the, that ACC title game, there's a lot going on there. A lot going on there. You get a program that's been resurrected by a, by a native son um, up against... A team that, you know, really does have national championship hopes but lose a great quarterback to a gruesome injury. Um, no, he's not playing again this year, Matt, and his his career at, at uh, Florida State has come to an end with that one. We got Pinto on the McClarty Daniel hotline here. Let's go to Pinto. Pinto, how you doing today? Thanks for the call. I'm great. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Y'all have a good week. Um, just wanted to touch on something. Didn't Travis Williams... He's an Auburn. Is he an Auburn alum? Yeah, and he played there. Uh, was a two-time All SEC, and then was a uh, was a was a graduate uh, assistant there for a number of years. So he's he's been a coach there for a while. Was he on Gus's staff when Gus was there? That's a good question. I'm I, not sure the answer. I think he was on Gus's staff at, at UCF. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay, so that kind of made me think he might have been tied to Gus at Auburn, too. But, okay, so once upon a time, this would have been a conspiracy theory. But in the, in today's world of athletics, who knows? It's almost, Hugh Freeze was toying with our defense. He could do anything he wanted. It made me start thinking, you think they were stealing our defensive signals? <laughs> what do you think about that? That's why Hugh, he doesn't have New Mexico states, but he has Arkansas signals. They only worked yeah. on the SEC signals. That's, That's right, because right. they could barely. Hey, it's not. Let's not. Let's let's uh, let's think of the idea that uh, they they couldn't move the ball against a lot of other teams early too. Right, but I, I see where you're going there. He did say we could have taken our we took our foot off the, the pedal against the Razorbacks. Hey, well. Once upon a time, y'all would have just dismissed me and said, you know, you're a nut. But look at, obviously, uh, you know, with Michigan and they were, they were saying other teams are doing it. And if he wanted to run left, he ran left. If he wanted to run right, he ran right. He well, part of this too, Pinto, is like, all right, so let's say they did get the signals. How do they get the signals? If they got it just from watching game telecasts, if they got it from just being across the field, then that's different. <laughs> then, that's, then that's perfectly legal. Then that's okay. Then that's, on the, then that's on the Arkansas coaching staff. Yeah, well, I didn't know if, if with Travis Williams' ties to Auburn, 
if, if you know if somebody had a little insight. Hmm. Into, Man, I would uh, hope that those it, signals it, change from one school to the next. They better. Yeah, you would hope. You would hope, but maybe alignments, et cetera, wouldn't. And so, I don't know. It just kind of didn't make any sense the way that because our defense had played well most of the year, right? And and then all of a sudden, you know, Auburn they, they did whatever they wanted to do against us. I guess they didn't anyway. want to the ball very much against against New Mexico State. I mean, if it was a matter of desire, right? Pinto, good to hear from you. Thanks for the call. 877-377-6963 uh, to get with us on the McClarty-Daniel hotline. If it was all about desire, I think everybody would uh, would move the ball down the field pretty quickly. And, yeah, that was the, that's crazy. Auburn physically also dominated the Arkansas defense, missed so many tackles, and it just... They punch us in the mouth, yeah. Couldn't do it. It's a good New Mexico State team, but it's not a team that should be getting a win at the, in an SEC stadium. I don't think Florida International was really all that great shakes either, but, you know, they came in uh, with a certain attitude. Um, kudos to Mike McIntyre for uh, for uh, throwing whatever to the wall, going for it on fourth and three in your own territory in the first drive. Man, when I saw him do that, I'm like, all right, so it's it's – it's going to be one of those games. We got a team in here that literally feels like they've got nothing to lose. And for a while, Matt, it was like, okay, um, we got a game. I didn't like what I was watching for the, for really that first quarter. I hated the thought that you're trailing at home in front of a small crowd with all that conversation from the previous week, and yet it's 13 to seven FIU going into the second quarter, and and then you know and then Walcott's interception return for the touchdown just kind of changed things dramatically. Our, our defense has uh, has had some moments this year. You know, they uh, that 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 play that they made against Florida, getting the ball back and and, and getting getting up early fourteen. Um, you look at A and M to start the second half. How we got that pick six right there. Um, they, yeah, they've they've been fun to watch this year. But yeah, there's I mean, look over at um, there's NFL teams that are dealing with the same problem that Arkansas is. It's not recruiting necessarily and NIL and stuff like that. It's great defenses that don't have an offense that matches them. And I'm not saying that Arkansas's defense is a SEC championship caliber defense or a national championship caliber defense. I think there's some NFL defenses that are Super Bowl caliber that don't have an offense that's really worth much uh, at all. Pittsburgh, Cleveland, the Jets. You're dealing with a bit of the same thing at Arkansas. Poor us offensive lines, very poor quarterback play at times. KJ's, I think, been effective to a point um but even even against fiu you know there were moments where it's just just a little bit off with accuracy just enough where um where it turns into an incomplete pass or not giving the receiver a chance to catch and run with it very much and feel like a lot of that goes with how he feels about this offensive line, which, of course, has been a struggle, and that's not news to anybody. Celebrate the magic of Christmas at the Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in the historic Venetian dining room this Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. From 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., your Christmas dinner includes a salad bar, carving station, hot buffet items, and desserts featuring traditional and unique items. Over 12, dine for $58 per person, under 12 for $29, and under 6, eat free. Reservations required. Must have a credit card to hold reservation. Call 501-623-7770 or log on at arlingtonhotel.com slash dining for reservations and complete menu items. 
Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey & Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey & Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey & Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey & Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. Let's get right to it here. Michael and Harrison, thanks for holding through that break. How are you doing today? Hey, guys. Doing well on a Monday before Thanksgiving. How are you all? Doing all right. Doing all right. These Monday shows have been um, just a little bit... Uh, a little bit to get through, I think, for the last few weeks because there's always a lot of pent up energy. Yep. You know, it well, it really tells you where a program is when you win by 24 points on Saturday, and the, you still have the same feeling on Monday. Yeah, and wasn't it Sam Pittman that said himself if he couldn't turn this program around that he would he would have to be asked to leave? When he took the job, I'm not saying exactly the way he said it, but he certainly said it. And uh, in my in my circles, we don't even talk about Razorback football. And I'm a guy that watched the '69 shootout. I grew up watching Razorback football in the '60s, '70s, '80s, '90s, and I, I've never been more disgusted. That I'm right now. I mean, my guy, the guys, we sit around the coffee club and we're more excited about talking about croquet than we are about Razorback football. And, um, Michael, let me ask you a question. Do you feel, um, and, 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 and I'm only asking this just because the, the way that I'm kind of viewing, um, what's going on at Arkansas football isn't just in the context of Sam Pittman's tenure. It's it's really been over the last what thirteen, fourteen years, even going back yeah. to the to the you know successful days under Bobby Petrino with the back to back double digit right. win seasons. It's the feeling that every four to five years you're going through this again you know and you still went through that with Petrino it was a different reason and and then you know Brett gets five years Chad Morris you know it's a different deal with Morris you know how did you feel during the Morris era did you feel that there was a chance to turn it around and right now it you know kind of feels like you and your group might might have kind of given up on that idea no I felt zero chance with with Chad Morris um just based on not even you know I'm I'm not a football coach I don't pretend to be that but just listening to him talk after a game whether they won or lost which most of them they lost but listening to you know him discuss the whys the ins and outs and he is trying to give solutions for how it could get better the next week. And so I, you know, just listening to him, I personally had no faith whatsoever in him. Um, Sam came in, did a good. I'm not saying the first, you know, you can't you can't base everything on the first year. You certainly can't do that, and, and I'm not doing that. And then the second year is that was that the nine and four year. That's right. Uh, you know, then he comes in and has a good year, seven and six, something like that, and then it then it then it's just. You would think by that time, by that point in his tenure, you would think that you would start seeing the real, the real head coach. 
And honestly, I think we saw the real head coach when Odom left. I think we saw the real head coach this year, more than we did in year one, two, or three. I think we're seeing the real coach now. And um, uh, and then he goes and you know he then he goes and dogs the public because of the way they feel, and um, says, "Well, that's going to hurt our recruiting if everybody says this and that, this, that, and the other." Well, you know what? Maybe hurt our recruiting may be hurting by him staying. That's well, oh, sorry, Michael. I thought you leave a little pause so there. That's that's real all I've got. You know, I just know, you know, it was a lot of fun to talk about Razorback. You know, if we, if, uh, you know, I would love to see the days of uh, Kenny Hatfield. You know, we ran Kenny Hatfield off when he was ten and two, two years straight, and then had a, what a six and five year or something like that, and he got ran off the hill by Frank Broad. Kenny Hatfield was by far the best coach Arkansas has had in my lifetime. Better than Lou Hope. The man was consistent, but they just didn't like three, three, four yards in a cloud of dust. But, you know, football's changed. I get all that. I don't know. I I don't know. If we're, if we're going to keep him, okay, whatever. But we're going to have to hire an offensive quarter, coordinator that's a true head coach because Sam Pittman is not, and I do not. I do not dislike the man. I think he's a nice man. I, I, I have nothing personally against him, but we need somebody that can motivate. The true story was how Auburn came into Fayetteville and absolutely embarrassed us to the hill. And then you see what happened to them last week, and where we we want to get excited because we beat FIU. We're going to get destroyed on Friday. You'll see it again, and I hate to say it, but that's what's going to happen. I'll hang up and listen. All right, thanks, Michael. Appreciate that. 877-377-6963 to get with this here. Anytime you can get a Kenny Hatfield shout-out, you know, yeah. Well, we point to the Kenny Hatfield years and the years in the Southwest Conference and some of the winning years in the SEC, but it feels like a long time ago, and it feels like a different era of college football, and it feels like a different era of the SEC. Uh, and I'm, I'm not saying Arkansas can't be a successful football program, um, but you have to find how you're going to do it in the modern era of college football. And so if there's money being saved or not spent by not getting rid of an entire coaching staff, well, then maybe some of that money ought to go into what the current era of college football is about, Matt, and that's about the players getting the money. And sometimes they go where the money is located, man. I mean, that, that might be what this offseason is about. What, what is their biggest negotiations in this NIL, uh, Phil? Are, is their biggest negotiations uh, from high school to college, or is their biggest negotiation when they're actually a starter, like year three? Because that, that would kind of be my question is, how are we projecting these guys? Are we getting, when we're getting these high school guys in, and are they making more money than maybe the guy that's already starting there? And it's going to take the high school guy. I mean, to play in the SEC, Phil, uh, you don't need more than four freshmen out there, true freshmen playing. You, you're not going to win a lot of games. You've got to have upperclassmen. You've got to have guys that have been through a college offseason or two. And I, that's what I wonder is these, these you're bringing in a guy that's telling him that maybe he's going to play a little earlier than he is and he's not he's not ready. Charlie, you're next, you're next on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. How you doing, Charlie? 
man, I don't know how I can follow that dude up. But, I mean, I get where – I guess you get the realness uh, for a lot of fans. And it is it is really frustrating. You know, heck, I'm only, what, 30, 31 – I'm 31 now. So, you know, and I remember when Matt was here and I was younger. And, you know, I remember the Petrino days. And, you know, so I can't really look back and go like, oh, yeah. But these last 10 to 15 years or so, I guess, whatever, however you put it, yeah, it's been – really disappointing other than a few sprinkled good years in there so I mean that's just reality I hate to say it that way but I agree though Sam can't be pointing the finger like you know when you get a question like I mean recruiting is already hurting because we're losing so let's just go and get that out of the way man I mean I'm just I'm just being real I love Sam but as a person but come on now let's not let's not blame it on on that I mean let's not point the finger there I mean, you know, that's just my take. And uh, also on the basketball team, guys, Mush has talked about something the other day that I thought was a good point. You know, even though we came up short and I'm not throwing like this, you know, people I know are kind of worried, but I'm not. I think he'll get it figured out. My question to you, Matt, a lot of people think uh, the old adage or, you know, in basketball sometimes it's just about staying in front of your guy. But sometimes you do have to change some things up schematically as he said, to fit your players and whatever it is that they got to do to fix their defense right now because it is hurting them. You know, you're not going to go out. I know they had a bad night shooting the three, but, you know, for the most part, they should. They've been good shooting the three. But you got to defend the three. You're not going to – you can't give up the three and the paint. You got to take something away. And so whatever they got to do, whether they switch more or how they're defending pick and rolls, dribble drive, whatever, they got to figure that out, which I expect they will. But, Matt, is is there a chance that maybe just this team, you know, maybe has to rely on their offense a bit more? I think they can, but, you know, you still got to get stops at the end of the day and take away something. Anyways, y'all have a good one. Y'all. Thank you, Charlie. Good to hear from you. You know, I the the team it seemed like uh, they they were just they got lost with their eyes a little bit with those backdoor cuts. You're ball watching, you know. They're, you're not keeping a, yeah, an eye on your man. You're not in the proper distance. You know, you you got to be help help side. Uh, and they they getting lost a little bit, but it's it's just you know they're they're learning. It's it's a new system. Uh, I, I think we'll be all right. I think Coach must have get them right. Three sixty three shooting percentage on three pointers for opponents so far, and not from you know not not from the, the necessarily the cream of the crop. That we're not as physical as, far as three point shooters. We're, we're not as physical as we were last year. You know mm-hmm. we're we're going to be it, and soft isn't the right word, but we're going to be a little more finesse. Uh, we're we're not as to me so far. We don't look as physical as we were last year. Yeah, and and I agree too. I mean the the decommitments or or troubles recruiting happened because of losses, and now because of a lack of nil, um, it's it's not media. You know, it's media starting rumors. That's different than just allowing people to have the conversation that they want to have um, in the circles that they can have them, and that's what being a fan is about. Brian, you're next on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. What's up, Brian? Hey, what's going on, guys? Just the usual old-fashioned Monday again. Uh, yeah. Hey, you know, last week, and I didn't ever get to chime, chime in on this, but you all were kind of worried about Texas losing Jonathan Brooks. Well, as you saw, Texas is loaded in, in the running back. I mean, C.J. Baxter was the number one recruit out of Florida that went to Texas, and he shined well. But other than that, uh, Texas is doing well. I didn't call, tell you to talk about them. You know, like the last caller said, 
or the first one out before Charlie, whatever his name was, I can't remember, but you know, he kind of hit on some things, you know, a lot of people putting a lot of emphasis on that Florida interna- International game, Arkansas went about 24, but not looking at the fact that Florida International was ranked like 100 out of 120 schools, that was not a significant win for Arkansas. Oh no, no, and and, it, and nobody on this show is saying it is a significant win either. It is, it is a win. You got to at least admit that. But it's not. I mean, there, there, there's context to wins. There are yeah, context three, to wins. Three of their wins have came against very lousy teams. Yeah, they beat one mediocre Florida team. The other three teams were laughable wins, really. Yeah, and they didn't cover the spread. They beat them by 24. The spread is 30 and a half. But my thing is, you know, here's the deal. Uh, Arkansas, I don't know actually why they're in the SEC except maybe for a paycheck. Because when you look at their 32 years of record, they only have a 25% win record anyway. They only won 25% of SEC games. So yeah, it's that getting tougher shows too. That, huh? It's about to get tougher, too. I think this league is about That's to right. get tougher because, than it's you know, been. Texas is going to be in the top four of the SEC next year. They're so loaded, and everybody in the country has talked about the job that Sarkeesian has done. You, I mean, a new coach going to a school is theoretically graded on year number four. Okay? Sarkeesian's already beat that. I mean, his third year... He's really on the brink of the college playoff. He's going to win the Big 12. He's going to be sitting at 12-1 and one in two weeks. And I don't know if he's going to the college playoffs or not. That will all work itself out one way or the other. I think we all know that. But the job that he's done compared to what Sam Pittman has done and having an extra year is just there's not any, any comparison. None. Well, if you get rid of a coach, you're just you're just starting all over again, and I think that's part of what this is about. I really do, Brian. We got to run. We got to run. I also got to say, like Brian, I, I don't know if anybody sits next to Brian at the Thanksgiving table at home in Ozark, right? Not not this Thursday, not this Thanksgiving. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua Sign Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. Mike, good to have you on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. How you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing good. I guess the other big news today was that Sam Pittman indicated that they're going to restructure or redo the way they do NILs. You know, he, remember he complained about it the other day after the game and said it was an issue. But now he's saying they're going to redo everything. 
and he's confident that they'll be able to get the players they need with the proper NIL money, and that then is coupled with the news that came out, I don't know, just within the last 30 minutes or so that they've they've gotten a commitment with the number one from the number one defensive or offensive uh, lineman in the country out of the JUCO ranks, a guy that was uh, apparently showed, uh, was enrolled at Michigan State and then for whatever reason didn't play there this year and hit the portal. So I don't know if the NIL money brought him in, but that's that's one of the things they have to do. They got to rework that offensive line, and we'll see how good this kid is. Uh, so again, if if NIL is it, and that's the whole key to recruiting and all that stuff, then I guess this is good news that they've got. And some have told me that's one of the reasons they didn't pay the buyout was because they wanted they would rather keep some money and use it on NIL. And they think, and Hunter Juracek thinks he can fix this thing with the be, you know with the right players coming in here, and Pittman does too. Well, you know, and and I wish Rocket Sanders well. It might be a, a time, you know, Rocket have surgery and, and then come back next year and have that year that he he wanted to have this year. Yeah, it's possible if you've got the NIL money. Nobody said that KJ is not coming back, so I don't know about that. Um, but you know, look, there are a lot of issues out there. There, are, I've been talking to boosters all morning long about different things. Uh, there's even a debate on what really happened here because the common thread in, in, uh, after that announcement was made by Hunter Juracek that Sam Pittman's job was safe, and he did that after the game on, on Saturday, was that, yeah, this was all about buyout money, and they didn't have it, so he waited. But then other people told me, no, look at the timing of that. He waited until after that game to make it an announcement. So I guess they're saying that if they'd have lost to – you know, Florida International, he would have still been gone. There's just so so much stuff rattling around out there. But I've been told by some people that your check is in good shape. You got these people on the uh, you know on the internet saying, "Hey, now that Pittman's coming back, if he has to be fired next year, your check will be fired." I've been told that's not true, but that probably what would happen if you got if it got it to that situation, that the board of trustees would probably step in and, and make a hiring committee mandatory for the next guy your check would have to do it with the supervision of a hiring committee so there's all that going on i talked to a booster that was he was mad because he said i'm people like me are getting blamed because they're saying we wouldn't pay the buyout he said i'm not the one that made the deal with him to give him the big buyout so you know he didn't like that there's all this stuff going on but you you know the big thing is they got a game this week and and I I spent last night, guys, watching the replay of that Florida Missouri game. Missouri, under the right circumstances, is beatable. They're very good. But if Arkansas plays the way they played against Florida, I think they got at least a shot. Is the question is, are they going to come out like they did against Auburn? If they do that, they'll just get run over. You know, most people have <coughs> moved on past that game already. You know, they watch it, um, but it's not going to change how they feel about. What what will hap- What should happen, or what's going to happen in the off season? It feels to me the story is really just uh, 
about the offseason now. Look, the game is the game, and, and we'll, we'll report on, on what happens in the game and give all of our opinions and all of that. You know, the, the offensive lineman you mentioned, Mike, is Keyshawn Blackstock, 6'5", 315. He, uh, he'd uh, enrolled at Michigan State. I don't think he ever got on the field with Michigan State, but he was the top JUCO offensive lineman. You know, it was, it's interesting. One of the only two linemen they brought in last year uh, in the portal was Amore Wiggins. He was out of JUCO. I don't think he saw the field very much. Um, you, they brought in an entire defensive unit last year, Mike, to fix what ailed the team. And it feels to me like you've got to bring in not just one, two linemen, maybe almost an entire line, even just to build some depth, because you might get some of these guys back, but you got to have competition for them, too. To me, that's the reality of college football now. you got to be able to yeah. fix things now, and you got to throw money at those problems. Yeah, and the consensus seems to be, from what I'm reading, that good luck, because everybody wants linemen, and they're not easy to find. There's going to be stiff competition for, for those that could come in here and make an immediate difference. Even if you got the money to pay them, other people have the money to pay them too. So, I mean, there's a lot of questions about next year. I agree with you. The game itself, I still think they got to be competitive in this game. Yeah. If they go out and if Missouri, this is Missouri, guys. You got you got Drinkwitz over there recruiting Arkansas's commitments. You got Missouri fans saying they're going to come in here and stripe out the game. I mean, if they come in here and they've got more fans in the stadium than Arkansas does, that's not going to look good. I don't think you can afford to just let them run over you. I don't think it means he's fired, but I think it hurts recruiting if that happened. I mean, there's a whole big blow-up after that game. I'm, you guys may be aware of it. But Pittman appeared to be blaming the media for his recruiting problems mm-hmm. because of those stories last week that he might be gone. And he pretty much implied that it was all baloney, that we didn't have, there was no basis for these stories. Well, there was. And we didn't have Juracek coming out and making a statement. If he had, then none of that would have been reported. But I'm just telling you, you can blame that on the media if you want to. I'm telling you what's hurting recruiting right now is the way you played against Mississippi State. You've got recruits that come into home games. They watch those games. They watched Arkansas lay an egg against Mississippi State. They watched them lay an egg against Auburn. And you can't tell me that's the media's fault. Mike, uh, speaking of we, running backs, we have two of them that are going to be uh, down for, for this last game. Who are you starting at running back? And, and were you impressed with Augustus? Yeah, I was. Uh, I think that was one of the good parts of that game. I mean, that kid came in and played. And he's, you know, he can, he, and he's fresh. That's one thing I think that helps. I think what you see is when a running back gets this late in the season, they've been knocked around and beat up. They're not as quick. They're not. As, they, they they just don't have what a guy that's talented that's been raring to play and finally gets his opportunity. So that's one of the things you want to look at in this Missouri game. I don't know if he starts, but I'm I'm pretty sure he's going to play a lot. Uh, and so that was another big thing that came out of that game. What else? Uh, what else had Sam Pittman to to talk about? Was it mostly about the off season? This is his only time that he speaks to the media this week. I mean, there's no Wednesday radio show. There's no Wednesday yeah. um, teleconference or visiting with the media. So, I mean, this is the only day you guys get a chance to ask questions. What else went on? Yeah, I haven't seen anything yet that he addressed uh, Missouri or Drinkwitz. I'm sure he did. 
a guy I talked to that was going to be there today said he was going to specifically ask him about does Drinkwitz deserve to be coach of the year in the SEC, and that would give him an opportunity to compliment, you know, the opponent. Um, the only other thing that I recall that he said, he talked about that emotional moment when Juracek came in the locker room and then told the players that Pittman would be back, and he said it was nice that they reacted the way they did. He said it wasn't a big deal to me because I knew it was. I knew I wasn't going to be fired, but at least it let them know. And he said he doesn't. And then he said I don't want to ever be in that position again. No kidding. Nobody wants to. My basketball team has a has a tournament. You're going to be watching the the battle for Atlantis. What are your thoughts there? You think they can win that? Yeah, I don't know if they'll win it, uh, but yeah, it, it, this is exciting. Look, I, the way I look at that loss uh, to uh, UNC Greensboro, uh, you just had a bunch of guys looking ahead, I think, and I think mm-hmm. you also combine the fact that I think it really hurt that you had a player out with back a back problem, and, you know, an inside guy out, and then you have this Makai Mitchell, I mean, we all know that he, he's really good at times and he disappears and he got in foul trouble and that put everything on Brazil and he's not really a defensive inside guy if he's the only one. So I think that was an issue. I think UNC Greensboro, I looked at their stats. They didn't necessarily shoot over their heads. I mean, they're pretty good. They're a pretty good shooting team, but I think Arkansas shot very poorly in that game. And anybody that understands basketball knows that if you have a night when you're not shooting, one of your guys is out, one of your inside players is out, another one gets in foul trouble, you can have problems. So we'll see now. And I think they probably were looking ahead. Would I would. If I had this big thing coming up in the Bahamas and you got this one game you got to play, I'm man, I've already got my mind on – on going to the Bahamas, man, that's a heck of a trip. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. It's football season at your neighborhood Buffalo Wild Wings. And with 64-inch TVs, beer, burgers, and, you know, wings, Buffalo Wild Wings is the best choice to watch the big game. So bring the gang and join us this football season at your local Buffalo Wild Wings in Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings, beer, wings, sports, and your home for any game. Roar! You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Right now, Eastside Liquor has a truckload of eggnog, winter seasonal beers, stouts and liquors, rum chata, moonshake creams, and more. Don't forget about the hog bourbon decanters. Come by the drive-thru or walk inside to see Dave and his team at Eastside Liquor, 9390 in Fort Smith. Now, back to the podcast. Connor O'Gara standing by from Saturday down south. Get to talk with him every couple of weeks here on Halftime. So let's head over to the McClarty Daniel Hotline and welcome him in. Good afternoon. Connor, how are you today? I'm doing well. You know, I I was kind of sweating the the Sam Pittman news and was very kind of anxiously awaiting some sort of decision and to be able to to get that yesterday morning. uh, I'm sure you guys have had no shortage of things to talk about. 
Yeah, well, it's basically been on on one or two or three topics surrounding uh, people's um, ideas and thoughts on uh, Coach Pittman getting another year, at least another year, and and then what the off season has to uh, has to look at, and not much on the FIU game, and not much on what's coming up on Friday. So. Um, what has to happen with this team in the offseason, Connor? What do they need to do to get back to uh, to feeling like the program's going in the right direction? It's pretty basic to say, but you got to get this offensive coordinator higher right this time. That, that's what this comes down to. And I, I said on these airwaves many times that I love the Dan Enos move. I was very much cold takes on that. I mean, literally, freezing cold takes got me on that one. So it's pretty obvious. You got to get that higher right. You have to get that higher right, and you have to be able to figure out what you can do with this offensive line because it was just not up to par. It was not up to an SEC level this year, and as a result, you you wasted a valuable opportunity with KJ Jefferson and Rocket Sanders to be able to actually utilize their skill sets, and it's too bad. So you've got to find a way to make it work. I mean. Players are going to come and go, and you've got to figure out what you have, obviously. But to me, that's really what his time at Arkansas is going to come down to. You're going to have a third opportunity to hire an offensive coordinator. And in all likelihood, it will probably be Sam Pittman's last. But at the same time, if this becomes a a massive success, this would speak to the way that Sam Pittman has operated. He is is the type of guy that is going to perform at his best when he is counted out. And maybe that's exactly what he needs next year. Connor, it's rivalry week this week, and then you get championship games the next week. Uh, go go into the crystal ball. Tell me who the final four teams are going to be this year. I still am going to stick with what I've been saying for a while. I think Washington is this year's version of TCU. They like they played in seven games, seven consecutive games that have been decided by ten points or less. They've been kind of playing with fire more teams more than people realize. So I think Washington is actually going to lose to Oregon, but Oregon's going to lose this weekend. So Washington is going to make the playoff, I think, even with a loss to Oregon because Oregon's going to have two losses. And then I think Florida State is going to get in. I think Ohio State is going to go up to Ann Arbor and win that game. And I think Georgia's going to win the SEC championship and beat a red-hot Alabama team. But, yeah, it's it's kind of shaping up different than any year that I can remember having every conference feel like it deserves a seat at the table and having a pretty good case for it. It's good for the national popularity of the sport. It just means that we're going to have some probably pretty intense debates about the playoff over the course of the next couple of weeks. Do, do you think the Florida State losing their quarterback, how much would you hold that against them? Not at, not at all. Not at all. Wait and see what this team becomes. Because look what 2014 Ohio State did. The very first year of the college football playoff. JT Barrett goes down in that game against Michigan. And everybody's saying Ohio State's done, Ohio State's done. And all Cardale Jones did as the third-string quarterback was come in and lead them to a dominant win against Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship. They decided to put Ohio State into the playoff over TCU, and the rest is history. So, to me, you can't hold it against Florida State when you don't know who they are. For all we know, they're going to go on the road and win in the swamp by by 28 points. And while Arkansas made it look easy at times to win at the swamp, historically speaking, it's just not a place that you're supposed to go in there and dominate. So who knows? Maybe they're going to do that and then beat Louisville in the ACC championship. And then, then what, 13-0 and Florida State is getting left out? No, that, that to me, uh, it wouldn't make any sense, and it would be projecting. And I realize you're trying to get the best matchups possible. You're also trying to reward the best possible resume, and I think Florida State would have that if it wins these next two games. 
Yeah, I know. <clears throat> I know college football is controlled by TV executives, but when it comes to the playoff, um, it can't be about what's going to get us the most ratings. It's got to be about what have these teams done on the football field this year. Uh, let's go by record. Let's go by the stats that you're going off of. Not not uh, not who would be who would be. Um, favored over over another team at all um i want to ask you about kentucky you know because people point to kentucky for uh for being patient with a coach so he can build the foundations of something and every few years there's been i shouldn't say every few years there's been a couple of 10 win years for for mark stoops and then some goodish seasons a lot of mediocrity last year mediocre this year i don't think most people saw them dropping, what is it, five of the last six? Is Stoops safe at Kentucky? He's safe, but the approval rating is taking a hit. I mean, they're closer to building a statue of him than they are firing him. That, that, that I believe, is the case. But, but here's the issue. It, Kentucky has changed its approach the last few years. It has basically said, we're going to buy an offense. They paid big to get my doppelganger, Liam Cohen, back as the offensive coordinator. And I actually think that the scheme is, has actually worked out pretty well for him this year if you've watched them play. But the issue has been Devin Leary has not been the player they thought they were getting in the transfer portal. And the offensive line is better, but it's still not exactly filled with a bunch of all-SEC guys up front. And they have this group of receivers that's one of the most disappointing units in the entire SEC. So it's really hard to execute the offense they want to run. And so you're looking at it from that standpoint and saying, okay, well, we, we ponied up, as Mark Stoops infamously said after the Georgia game. You've got your guys through NIL via the transfer portal, and this is the result? I mean, this is Kentucky's most disappointing season in seven years probably. And you're left wondering, all right, what's the future? If we got that guy at quarterback in the portal, we're running the offense we're supposed to. We got a big-time running back in Ray Davis. And still, this is the result. I think that's more so where Kentucky fans are frustrated right now. Well, that, that might be the kind of offseason I mean, uh, that Arkansas is about to have. I mean, in terms of, of, of spending money, NIL money, contract money for a, an offensive coordinator that's got a track record, truthfully. Um, but that's what this has to be about now. You know, I mean, you look at Missouri and Ole Miss, and there's only, we only, we, we don't know what the valuations of these players and what they're making. We just, we just know that, that the Grove at Ole Miss, the collective there, is part of the reason why they have the roster that they have. It's the same at Missouri. And Kiffin and Drinkwitz are in the same year, tenure-wise, as Sam Pittman is. But right now, Arkansas is behind both of those programs and pretty far behind them in terms of at least success this year. Um, and it's got to be about, really, truthfully, Connor, it might be sound distasteful to say it this way, but they got to throw money at offense. Because last year, they rebuilt the defense through the portal. I don't know how much money was spent by that. You got to throw money at the offense and specifically at the offensive line. I, just, I guess it's a matter of how many linemen are available, right? It's not always, <laughs> that's got to be part of it. That's, that is, and that's a tough place to go spend in the portal because if those guys are getting out into the portal in the first place, you're kind of wondering, all right, well, why didn't the team that they were on want to keep them? You know, that that's a little bit of a more difficult sell as opposed to, you know, go back to the Jordan Addison situation where he's at Pitt and he went to the Bolitnikoff Award and then he looks around and he's like, well, Kenny Pickett's in the NFL, Mark Whipple, my offensive coordinator, he went to Nebraska. I'm going to go to USC and play with Caleb Williams and have a Lincoln Riley-led offense. That makes a lot more sense. So, you know, I, I think it's a difficult thing, but I still think you got to take you got to keep taking those swings in the portal. You just have to on the offensive side of the ball, especially. Look at the Heisman Trophy, man. Like 
This is going to be decided probably by three guys, all of whom were former transfers, Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, and Michael Penix Jr., and you have to keep taking those cuts. And I understand Arkansas at the quarterback position, the running back position, you felt awesome coming into this year. And that's not to say that, you know, they need to do that every skill position or, or whatever, because Lord knows they did it at receiver. But you've got to continue to be willing to take those chances because that's where the sport's going. Or you got to do unique things in NIL, like what Mizzou has with the in-state thing. If you're an, a high school kid, you can accept NIL money if you're in the state of Missouri, if you're committed to an in-state school. So obviously that helps out Mizzou and the Luther Burden thing and everything. So, look, I, I think you just got to be creative and you got to be able to adapt or die. Yeah, speaking of you know the Arkansas's quarterback and, and KJ Jefferson, what what's the market for him? Because I I I'd, I'd like to think that we're going to go out and get an OC, uh, OC that's going to be more of an RPO, something that fits KJ's style. Uh, is KJ going to go somewhere else that, that fits his style, or, or I mean, what does the market look like for KJ? You know, look, you brought in a pro style offense. And it didn't work out. Now, did it not work out because the offensive line was just terrible? Yeah, that's probably part of it. But if he's seeking another home because he wants to go play in a pro-style system, to me, I don't really know because he wants to help himself for the NFL. If that's the, the decision, I don't know that there is that obvious path where you have great surroundings. Take a DJ Uyunglele at Oregon State. Great situation that he walked into with Jonathan Smith. He had an experienced offensive line. They weren't asking him to do the same things that they're asking him to do at Clemson. Could KJ walk into a situation like that elsewhere? There are not a whole lot of those situations available. So while I love KJ, I will lead the KJ bandwagon forever. Uh, I, I do think that he would have a market, but it's just more so about the, the lack of those outside opportunities. And you're probably going to be able to hopefully handpick your offensive coordinator if you decide to stay. Right. <clears throat> that that's that's kind of what it's about. And I just don't know if he was you know in on the. Yeah, we're going to bring in Dan Enos. That happens so quickly because you, you know, the the thing with Kendall Bryles at TCU, uh, it was Mississippi State the week before that, and and the, you know the Enos hiring kind of came very quickly, and it felt like a friendship had a lot to do with that. And I think you're right too, and I also think that look, I mean, there is the capability of KJ going into the transfer portal, um, and 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 taking taking what's been a good career at Arkansas and seeing if he can try to do it somewhere else, like we've seen a lot of quarterbacks do, but that doesn't always mean that you're going to progress the way you want to. Sam Hartman hasn't necessarily progressed. You just brought up Devin Leary. You know, sometimes that kind of transferring also shows that you, maybe you're not quite as good as you or the coaches brought you in think you are. Yeah, I, I think the spectrum is wide with, with poor guys. Or you can be Spencer Sanders. Spencer Sanders was a four-year starter at Oklahoma State, a guy who won a New Year's Six Bowl with them, and he goes to Ole Miss, and everybody, myself included, is like, oh, wow, so that means he's going to beat out Jackson Dart and win that starting job. He ends up not winning the starting job, and he's been holding a clipboard this entire season. So it, there are just no guarantees once you hit the portal. Look, I, I love KJ. I, I think he's been incredibly loyal. I, I think there are a lot of people outside of Arkansas that forget that he was a Chad Morris recruit and, and the loyalty that he showed that program sticking with things when you know, they brought in Felipe Franks for that year so that he can continue to learn, even though physically, obviously, he was at a, a at an SEC level, and you knew that guy could take a hit, but yeah, I'm fascinated by this next chapter, and honestly, I hope it stays at Arkansas because I'd like to see what he can do with a capable offensive line and a scheme that fits his skill set.
You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at HitThatLine.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.